Hey there, this is Gregory Williams, and I'm the senior pastor of Transform Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the following presentation really inspires you to deepen your faith walk and encourages you along your journey. Enjoy the message. Good morning, Transform Church. Pastor Chris here. So good to be with you here today, online, church online. Firstly, I want to shout out to all the dads in the church. Happy Father's Day. I hope you got lots of flowers and uh, not flowers, chocolate. Hope you got lots of chocolate, but men can enjoy flowers too. So uh, happy Father's Day to all the men and a great big happy Father's Day to our Father God in heaven who looks down on us and loves us. So today I'm excited to share the word of God with you. Today we're going to be looking at one of my favorite passages and that is in the Gospel of Luke chapter 7 and we'll be looking at the centurion servant and his great faith. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 that without faith it is impossible to please God. So who better to learn from than someone that Jesus said this person has great faith. Now we're going to do something a little bit differently this morning. We're actually going to do a Bible study. Now I know what you're thinking, a Bible study. Oh maybe we should quickly check something else out on YouTube or Facebook but stay with me Because this is a great passage of scripture that we'll get to open up together. In fact, it reminds me of a saying from a theologian, John Stott, who said, Good Bible studies are like a picnic. You lay out all the ingredients. You teach people what complements one another. Then they get to build their own sandwich. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to spread out all the ingredients from this passage of scripture. We're going to stop and pause and nibble on a few little interesting bits before we load up our plates and go away and enjoy it together. I love picnics. My wife and I, we take picnics with us wherever we go. Our good friends, Man and Simone, think that I'm a bit of a nana because I like to take a picnic basket. Um, We've gone to Peninsula Hot Springs, luxurious spot, picnic basket. Take the kids to the park, ultra daggy dad, picnic basket. We go to church. I love church online, by the way, because every Sunday now after church, we put out a picnic spread on our table. It's kind of more like lunch, to be honest. We're just setting the table for lunch, but it's like a picnic in my mind. It's, it's phenomenal. So today we're going to look at the great faith of the centurion and we're going to have a picnic. Oh my goodness, the special effects and production value just went through the roof. Now I know what you're thinking. That joke was a little... Cheesy. <laughs> Two dad jokes with one. Please don't don't tune out. Don't. I, I do need friends. So let's try that one more time. <gasps> Amazing. Wow. We're going to have a good time today, church. <laughs> it's so lame, but it's so good. So when it comes to doing a Bible study, there are four things I like to go through when setting up and getting ready to read the scriptures. First is, I like to read through it straight away, just to get my mind and my heart in the right frame so I might be receptive to hear the Word of God. Second thing is, I like to reread it, and that's when I begin to highlight and circle things, things that I don't understand, and there's a lot that I generally don't understand, so I like to do a little bit of research. Things like locations, or key phrases, or characters, even knowing Does this happen inside a house or this is an outside location? Where does the story take place? Where does it occur in the Bible? All of these things help us get a better understanding 
of what's actually going on. Then I like to reflect and look at the key principles or the lessons that might be in there. And then obviously, prayerfully, how do I respond? How do I integrate that into my life? But then how do I outwork it practically for others? So let's start by reading through scripture together. Luke chapter 7. I'll be reading from the New International Version. So let's read together. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There, a centurion servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When the elders came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, This man deserves to have you do this, because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority. With soldiers under me, I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes. I say to my servants do this and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. What an amazing story. Now what we're going to do now, we're going to reread it and we're going to pull out a few key words because that'll help us with our understanding. And we'll also do some reflection at the same time as well. So let's go back to it. And here we go, verse 1. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. Capernaum was a fishing village. It wasn't very far away from where Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount. There were lots of local trade that passed through Capernaum. The Romans actually set up a tax center to collect taxes from the people that passed through there. Kind of think of it like the Burnley Tunnel. You have to pay that fee for going in and going out. To protect their money, the Romans actually set up a military base to enforce their tax. And this is why there is a centurion there. A centurion is someone who was deeply loyal to Rome. They were the biggest, strongest fighters. They were expert killers. And they were pretty brutal people. They could enforce tax capital punishment, they could force labor, they could take whatever they wanted. All in all, you avoided the Roman centurions. But what's fascinating about this Roman centurion soldier, he actually set up the synagogue. He built it. He funded it with his own money. The elders say that he loves Israel. The Gospel of Matthew says he was a God-fearing man. So this is a bit of a twist straight away that a centurion might actually have favor towards the Jewish people. Let's read verse 3. There, a centurion servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, 
asking him to come and heal his servant. Now this is our first insight to what great faith is. The centurion had heard of Jesus. Here are some things that had happened before this event. In Mark chapter 1 verse 21, Jesus at a synagogue, the synagogue that this centurion soldier built, he cast out an evil spirit that had possessed the man and he did it with a spoken word. We see in, uh, we keep reading on in Mark 31, that he healed Peter's mother-in-law. That night the whole village came and brought their sick and Jesus healed them all. In chapter 2 of Mark, we read that again in Capernaum, a man who was paralyzed. Four of his friends came and they ripped the roof off of a house and they lowered them down and Jesus healed him again with a spoken word. In Mark chapter 3, Jesus heals a man in, in the synagogue, same building this guy did. He had a withered hand and Jesus said, if you stretch it forth, it will be made whole. Everything that the centurion knew about Jesus could be summed up in that he had the ability to heal with a spoken word. How did this man know Jesus was going to do that? Based on what he had already done. Faith has a concrete nature to it. A substance, a conviction, and assurance. So what is it based on? The revealed character of God. And that's really key. Faith doesn't exist in a vacuum. Faith exists. It is based on, it is founded upon the revealed character of God. That's how we build our faith. Think about the revealed character of God in your life and join your actions and your beliefs to his character. And that is how faith can continue to grow. Now let's keep going to verse 4 and 6. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. Now this is quite fascinating. It was actually unlawful for a Jewish person to go to a Gentile's house. That is a person of another nationality. Because in the Bible there were all these rules and regulations that if you broke them, eventually you would offend God so much that he would leave. Now one of their laws was staying away from anything unclean or unpure. A few of them were around dead bodies, other nations. In fact, when Peter the Apostle is called to go to the Gentiles for the first time, he says in Acts 10, 28, I can't believe I'm even going here. It's unlawful for me to do this. So the reason the elders are pleading with Jesus, will you go, will you go, will you go, it's actually quite a pressured situation because the centurion didn't command Jesus to come, but he could have because he had that power. He invited him to come. And this is also another dimension of the honor and shame society that Jesus found himself in. It would show great honor if he did go, but great shame to his religious expectations of the day. If he said no to the uh, centurion, he would have offended him, but he would have brought honor to the law. So Jesus is kind of caught. But what I love about this is that Jesus goes with them. It's almost like they outsource it to Jesus. They're like, listen, we, we're spiritual. We can't be unclean. We can't go to bad places or bad people. So why don't, why don't you just go? Can you deal with it? And what we find here is that this invitation 
actually comes at a great cost to Jesus. Jesus, as a Jewish person, could not lawfully enter a centurion's house without becoming unclean. There would be idols in his house, concubines, unclean food, other Gentiles, and even a dead body. All of these things would make Jesus ritually unclean. And therefore, if that was to happen, Jesus would have to go and bathe. He would have to wash his clothes. He couldn't go to synagogue. He couldn't go to church. He couldn't teach all for a period of time until he was made clean again. And this is an interesting thing, isn't it? Jesus is willing to pay the price. He is willing to go and put himself out for the sake of mission. I love the fact that Jesus responds. He doesn't say no, but he says yes. And it makes me think, am I willing to pay the price? I like the safety of my little house with my chocolate and cheese and it's lovely but the truth is there are people that need hope there are people that need freedom there are people that need God's help are we willing to step out of our comfort zone and go and share the good news with them that's the question and if we do we'll be like Jesus willing to pay the price for mission and now we get to the action scene this is where the tension really builds we're reading here in verse 6 continuing on He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him. What's amazing about this is that this is a man who has power and has privilege, yet he still relies on his friends for help. Because the thing about great faith is that it's not afraid to ask for help. Even Jesus on the way to the cross asked for help. Someone else had to carry his cross. He could have called a legion of angels to carry the cross for him. He could have asked God just a little bit more extra strength. You're the creator of the universe. You can do it. But he didn't. Simon of Cyrene carried his cross. We all need a little bit of extra help. The centurion sent his friends. We all can use a little bit of extra help at this time, can't we? So I want to encourage you, church. Remember, pray for people. Ask people if you can pray for them. Ask others if they'll pray for you. We read on. They said, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. Do you ever find yourself not feeling worthy to go to God? Do you ever, like, doubt your faith at time or or feel like you're not good enough? I mean, I certainly do. There are times where I'm like, I know God loves me, but I don't know if he likes me. And I really want him to like me. And this centurion actually had this bit of a wrestle within himself that he didn't feel worthy enough. But here's the thing, a lack of self-worth or limiting beliefs or how you feel about yourself or, or think that you're not good enough, that will never stop Jesus responding to your prayer needs because he loves you. So we keep reading, that is why I do not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, there we go, basing it on what he's already seen Jesus do, say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself are a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one come, and he comes, and I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. What I love about this bit here is that Jesus listens in the moment. He was adaptable. He was agile. He was flexible. Jesus was able to respond in the moment and deal with the situation around him. There's a great story in Genesis chapter 22, where Abraham, being tested by God, is asked to sacrifice his son. 
And at the moment that the knife is held up high, God speaks and says, wait, I've provided a ram for you. Put the knife down. And it's a great insight that people of faith are able to listen in the moment. There's an old saying that says, blessed are the flexible because they will not be bent out of shape. I have found from personal experience that God often speaks with commas rather than full stops. He wants us to develop a listening ear and cultivate an open heart that we might be able to listen in the moment and respond accordingly. Let's keep reading. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. So what do we see in verse 9 and 10 about great faith? I think what I see is that great faith has an element of boldness to it. It is always a good time to speak the good news, to preach the gospel, to pray for people, to ask people to pray for us. In this time of COVID-19, there's a lot of things that have been stopped. But you know what hasn't been stopped? The power of God. There's a lot of things that have been put on hold. You know what has not been put on hold? Jesus answering people's prayers. Be bold. That's part of the element of faith, isn't it? That we can be bold just like Jesus and like the centurion. Let's be people of faith. How do we do that? Well, let's pause for a second and then let's quickly reflect on what we've learned. So here are the key principles we've learned. That great faith doesn't happen in a vacuum. Faith is actually our actions and beliefs based on the revealed character of God. Great faith knows there is a cost to mission and it's willing to pay the price. We also learn that great faith is not afraid to ask for help and that great faith will both listen in the moment and realize that no matter how unworthy we might feel, Jesus will still respond to us and that great faith is bold. Well, church, I hope you've gotten something out of this message today. And so now we're going to do step four. We're going to respond. We're going to take some time to stop and just think for a moment. How can we integrate this into our life? And then how can we outwork it practically that other people might gain the benefit? So this is what I'd love you to do. I'd love you to grab a piece of paper and just begin to write down things that stood out to you during this message. And then at the end of that, I'd love you to take a picture of it and post it on our social media page. Put it up on Facebook so that we can begin to learn from one another. We'd love to hear your thoughts. We'd love to see what jumped out to you in this passage. So we've got two minutes. I'm going to put a countdown clock on. So grab a pen, use your phone, take a note. And while you're doing that, I'm going to enjoy a picnic. Hello again, and thank you so much for listening. I really hope that message has encouraged you. Would you please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review? This really helps others get exposed to this uplifting message. I would also love for you to share this message with a friend or someone you think would be really inspired and blessed by this. Sharing this on social media like Facebook really does help others also get this free content. I'm honored you chose to spend some of your valuable time with us. Have an amazing day.